and we're officially live. Welcome back to another episode on Coffee with Craner. I'm your host, Lyndon Crane, joined today by a very special guest, a high-profile Windsor lawyer, Patrick Ducharme on the Coffee with Craner show. Patrick, pleasure to have you here. Thank you very much. So if, if you don't know, Patrick is a Windsor lawyer, also based out of Toronto, Miami, and uh, he was called to the bar in 1977. He received his Bachelor of Laws and, and Bachelor of Arts from the University of Windsor, and recently in 2021 was the recipient of the G. Martin, Arthur Martin uh, Criminal Justice Medal, and uh, first time being recognized out in southwestern Ontario, and it's usually awarded to people in Toronto, but he has received it um, here in Windsor. And so happy to have uh, Patrick on the show today. So we'll get started, Patrick. Where in Windsor, Essex is your favorite place for coffee? This is so easy for me because I go to Gennaro's, Gennaro's Cafe on Erie Street and have been going there for years. And Gennaro is a good friend of mine. In fact, this plant that's sitting next to me, I'm not really sure why he sent me the plant, but uh, <laughs> apparently I did something for him that he was appreciative of whatever it was and sent me a plant. But uh, that's that's a real easy answer for me because I go there at least two or three times a week. Yes, and we, we talked earlier and you, you drink a lot of coffee. I do drink a lot of coffee. I have a coffee machine there. It's press the button. I got an espresso machine in the next room. Press the button. I'm a coffee drinker. That's awesome. Yes. Well, me too. And the show fits the uh, the coffee drinker well, coffee with Craner. So uh, I want to start off the question. My first question being uh, just how, you, how did you get started in, in criminal law? First of all, before I even applied to law school, I knew that all I wanted to do was trial work. I wanted to be in a courtroom. And I think I started at a relatively early age thinking about law because when I turned 16 and was able to get a license, like most young drivers, I was stopped a few times for speeding. And rather than simply send in a guilty plea or go to court and plead guilty, I would plead not guilty and argue my case in court. And even though I wasn't very successful in getting the tickets reduced or getting off the speeding tickets, I rather enjoyed the process of appearing in the courtroom and making submissions. So I had this feeling yeah. real early on if I could ever get marks good enough to get into law school, I would do that, and I would only want to do criminal work. So my my choice was easy. So were the, the speeding tickets on purpose? No, I wouldn't say they're on purpose. I think I had a heavy foot. I was getting those speeding tickets anyway. It's just that I enjoyed the process of going to court and making an argument, even if I wasn't successful in the argument. And you would completely represent yourself? Yes, absolutely. I'd go wow. in there, plead not guilty, say I wasn't going quite the speed that the officer claimed. Every once in a while, the judge would reduce it. Sometimes they wouldn't. It didn't matter. I enjoyed it. Yeah, that's, I guess, the thrill of it. Um, that, that's awesome. And, and you know, fast forwarding now, you've um, taught 43 years as um, a, a lecturer at the University of Windsor Law School. Um, and also have your, your own firm, um, Ducharme Weber. I mean, that's, that's a long time in law. Why did you, why did you feel the need to, to go to the University of Windsor and, and educate you know, thousands of students? Well, I've, I've always loved teaching. I like the idea of staying current with the law. I think it's a requirement, particularly of trial lawyers, to stay up on all of the most recent cases that could help somebody who's charged with an offense. And the easiest way for me to do that was to teach because it forced me to stay on top of it, 
and I like speaking anyway in public. Mm -hmm. So I have taught literally thousands of now young lawyers practicing mostly in the province of Ontario, but some of them go right across Canada. There's no limit to where you can practice criminal law. Criminal law is right across the country. So I rather enjoyed uh, kind of the speaking part of it where I'd spend some time with students who are always enthusiastic and it kept me young, kept me thinking, and it kept me publishing, which kept me current. Yes, and I, I was looking and researching you and um, I mean, dozens of, of publications you've contributed to, you've, you've wrote or you continue to update two books, Trial Advocacy and, and Criminal Practice and Procedure. Um, that must be just, you know, thrilling just to go to different schools and seeing students reading those books. I still see many of my former students out there in the courtrooms and I see them carrying a book. Very often they're a few years out of date because they were in my class a few years before and I say, you have to contact me and get the most recent one. I'm not sure that one's up to date enough for you, but it's an honor that they carry around my materials with them and think that they're helpful in you know, any kind of question that might come up in a criminal trial. Would you ever teach again at the university? I know you, you've, you've stepped down, but do you see yourself continuing to educate students? I suspect that many of the professors there will ask me to come in and do a guest lecture now and again. I hope they do, and I would love to do that. It just became really onerous to, I would teach a course that was three and a half to four hours, but I wouldn't do it three times in a week like most do. I would cram it into one day, so I would go down there yeah. and lecture for four hours straight. And I know that was a daunting task for the students, but it was equally difficult for me to get ready to speak for four hours and cover it all in one class. But I found that more efficient, so it didn't take me away from you know, being ready for the court cases the next day several times a week. Yes, and I mean, uh, Patrick's a, a mentor to dozens of students, thousands of students uh, here in Windsor and, and up in, in Brantford, London, uh, Toronto, across on, Ontario, Canada. Um, did you ever have a mentor uh, growing up as, as a lawyer? I did. I ran into a prosecutor. His name was Eugene Ewischuk. He eventually became a Superior Court judge. But at the time I met him, he was a prosecutor and he was teaching first year criminal law. And I was very interested in criminal law. I did very well in his class. And he asked me if I wanted to work along with him on a couple of prosecutions as his student while I was in first year law school. Well, I was honored. I was happy to do that. And uh, over the years, I came to know him very well. I eventually ended up doing some cases in front of him. And he'd always announced to the courtroom, I want everybody to know that Patrick was a former student of mine. He even worked with me for a little while. So if anybody has any complaint, say it now or don't complain about it later. And I honestly felt like he didn't give me any advantage in the yeah. courtroom. He was every bit as tough on me, maybe even tougher than other judges who I didn't know at all. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing going into that room knowing um, who, who the justice is and uh, being a, a young student and now appearing before the, before the judge that you were you were taught by. Well, it happens all the time. I did a trial a couple of years back where we were in front of a jury and the judge presiding had been on this case for I think about eight months. And right after that case was finished, she was elevated to the Court of Appeal. And three weeks later, I was appearing in front of her in the Court of Appeal 
And she looked down and she says, I can't seem to get rid of you. <laughs> so I, I was in front of her with a jury for months. And then almost immediately after in the court of appeal, making an argument there with her as well. And now speaking of, of making arguments in, in court, you've appeared in court thousands of times. Oh, easily, uh, yeah. Easily. What would you say, like, are, are there certain things young lawyers should do when they're, when they're in court that like techniques or anything that you think could help them? Um, I have to tell you, Lyndon, there are so many techniques. That's why I write books about yep. advocacy. It would be difficult to answer that just in any kind of short question. But yes, there are many, many techniques having to do with how to formulate a proper question, how to develop a game plan so that you know where you're going and that right from the very beginning, every question you ask fits the pattern of what you want that case to say at the end. Mm -hmm. when, I, when I think of it, and I teach my law students this, you know, most criminal trials are just knowing the story. You need to know your client's story. And then you tell it effectively in an odd way because you tell it through question and answer. So you need to know the right questions to ask in order to develop the story the way you want to make argument at the end. That's the idea of a trial lawyer. It, yeah, I can't imagine it's an, it's an easy task or an easy job. Um, now, going into law school, a young, a young lawyer, and I know there's some students from Windsor Law that are watching, is there any advice you could give to those students through whether they're applying to law school or they're just finishing their, their, um, their law degree? Well, I think if they're applying to law school, they should read up as much as they can, do well on the LSAT, and then if they're interviewed at all in relation to going to the law school, let those that are doing the interviews know how much they want to practice law, study law, and in some way contribute to the law. Mm -hmm. Because I, I think the people that are making those decisions are interested in having people who truly care, who want to do it for the right reasons, not just to make money or to have status or something yeah. like that, but they're really interested in the law. And you've, you've sat on selection committees. What were some things that stood out to you for, for students that were trying to get into law school? I would read the applications looking for things that showed that the person who was applying really wanted to contribute something to make the law of Canada in some way better, mm -hmm. more efficient, more effective, more um, inclusive of various people, backgrounds, races, um, things of that nature. Anybody that saw it as a role that they could contribute to making it better. Now, outside of law school, students graduating, they're, they're a young junior attorney at a, at a law firm. What advice do you have to those students? You know, if they're, if they're graduating, I'd say try to hook up with or be associated with someone who's very good at what they do and is the type of person who would like to help others advance and be better at what they intend to do. So I would look for people who are along the same mode, interested in advancing the law of mm -hmm. Canada, making it more efficient, more effective, more inclusive, and that they speak like and act like they want to train and teach others to be similarly committed. That's what I'd look for. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. Now, talking about students, um, again, like we talked about, there's a, there's a lot of students 
watching, is it just the grades that you think that matter for when you're in law school? Or are there different things that students should be doing to really build up their CV, CV and um, you know, become a better uh, legal advocate? I think it changes for different people. When I hire students, I look at their grades, but they're definitely not the end result for yeah. me. I like more at their personalities and their commitment. But grades are important. I mean, if, if somebody is bright and capable and scores well in many different areas of law, likely they're going to be somebody who can really contribute to a law firm. So I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't downgrade somebody who's a good student academically. But I also think, more like myself, I was interested in the practice of law, in techniques of how to advance someone's interest, somebody you represent. And I think that is every bit as important as academia. Should We talked about this a bit earlier. Should students be going into courts and, and just absorbing the information and, and the uh, performances that are taking place in the courts? Absolutely. When I was a student in law school, I would go down to the courthouse. I would look for a case that was ongoing. I would look for an experienced set of lawyers, prosecutor and defense lawyer, and I would sit in there and watch and try to learn something that you wouldn't just learn in a law school class. And uh, a very venerable lawyer back then, his name was Barney Cohen. He's since deceased, but he has a son, David Cohen, who's a very capable criminal defense lawyer in Toronto and a good friend of mine. Barney Cohen kind of took me in. He said, why are you watching my cases? And I said, because you're the best and I want to see how it's done. He took me back to his office. He showed me a case and, and he actually introduced me by telephone to G. Arthur Martin. And G. Arthur Martin at that time was the icon of criminal defense lawyers. He eventually went to the Court of Appeal and became the leading justice in the Ontario Court of Appeal. But as a trial lawyer, he was generally thought of as probably the best trial lawyer in Canadian history. And here Barney Cohen, I didn't know this, was good friends with him. Yeah. And he said, would you like to talk to G. Arthur Martin? I said, are you kidding? Of course. And G. Arthur Martin was in Toronto. He got on the phone with me and he asked me some questions. I think I got the answers right. And, um, you know, I, I, I got a chance to speak to my idol as a student before I even practiced law. And that's because I hung around the courts and I met Mr. Cohen and he liked my enthusiasm and he kind of set me on my way. So people like G. Arthur Martin, what made, what made him so great as, you know, being one of the best trial lawyers? First of all, he had a real feeling for people. You could watch his cases and he, you know, walked a mile with his client. You could see that every aspect of his client's life, he seemed to know. He would present his client in a way that the judge liked the client, the jury liked the client. And despite whatever horrible crime he may have committed, yeah. it appeared as though he was just a regular guy, a good person. He might have made a mistake, but he's not deserving of the serious charge that he faces now or the serious penalty that that charge would carry. Something less than that and maybe nothing at all. He walked a mile with his clients. That was the most valuable lesson I took away from his, his work. Yes, and I mean, having spoken with G. Arthur Martin as, as a young lawyer and, and now being awarded um, the 2021 uh, G. Arthur Martin Criminal Justice Medal, it must be a great feeling. It's the greatest honor that anybody could give me. I didn't think in 
any way, in any fashion, that would ever be awarded to me. Because I'm way down in southwestern Ontario. It's basically an award that's given to the hotshot lawyers in big law firms in the Toronto area, maybe the surrounding Toronto area as well. Mm -hmm. But um, to me, selecting me among all the great trial lawyers that are around the country, right across the country, from Vancouver to Newfoundland, uh, you know, to me, um, they couldn't give me a greater honor because I literally idolize the person in whose name that award is given. Yes, and, and reading up on the award, there was many things that got you to get that award, but uh, one being education. Yes, yes. G. Arthur was a great lecturer. He taught at two different law schools. He taught on a regular basis criminal law courses. And to tell you the truth, I kind of patterned what I did after what he did. And I just thought, I'm going to teach as long as I can. I only let the law school know this year that I wasn't teaching anymore, but that was after 43 years yeah. of mostly teaching two law school classes. That's more than most full-time professors teach. That's how much I loved it. Yeah. On top of your, you know, hectic day job, right? Yeah, I had a day job. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I, I mean, it's 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 awesome to have you on the show, Patrick. And and for those watching, I, I talked about it a bit earlier, but we are at the Walker Power Building, and um, Patrick, being part owner of uh, this eleven million dollar restoration of this building, it's been. Is it uh, 19, between 1910 and 1913? It was, it was first built by the Walker Sons, and now a uh, beautiful law firm, Ducharme Weber, is in this building. Well, it's uh, 110 years old as of this year. And uh, I remember when I first looked at it, I thought, I don't know. That looks <laughs> like a lot of work. But fortunately, I have a partner who is in structural engineering and refurbishing. And... They did unbelievable things with this building. It's now, as you can see, a beautiful emporium. It is. I'm proud of it. I love it. It's rejuvenated me. I, I love coming to the office. Not that I didn't come to the office before, yep. but uh, being an owner of it and being proud of it also adds to the sense that uh, I love what I do, and now I love where I do it. Yeah, so you're not just a lawyer, but you're a community builder, right? You're you're investing in in Windsor, and um, I believe from reading uh, the Windsor Star, you want to stay in Windsor and you'll continue to work. I I do, even though I do cases right across the country, and I've done several cases in the United States where you have to get called to the bar there. Mm -hmm. I've done a jury, a full jury trial, in uh, Sandusky, Ohio. I have done a huge drug case in Dade County, Florida, where they whack out sentences of multiple life terms. I've done cases in California, uh, the state of New York. Um, to me, even though I've seen the American jurisdictions and I've done work there, and the judges usually like us because we stand when we address them. We refer to them as your honor. Some of the American attorneys, they just shout out their objections and don't get to their feet. I've had several judges in the United States say, why don't you stay here and spread yourself around? We like your decorum because uh, we tend to be a little bit more formal than the American attorneys. But I, I think I've had the benefit of doing trials in multiple different jurisdictions. And I don't think Canada or Ontario particularly takes a backseat to any of them. 
No. And I mean, uh, Canadians are nice, right? Yes. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, Patrick, really, really thankful to have you on the show. And um, for the guests that are watching, best lawyer in Canada has been in t- since 2007, um, which is which is an honor to have have uh, Dusha and Weber in Windsor. Um, I mean, like Patrick mentioned, they're in they're in Toronto and also Miami. But um, we're we're definitely fortunate to have one of the best criminal defense lawyers um, in Windsor, making a mark and uh, teaching thousands of students. Uh, Patrick, I, I really appreciate the the advice that you've been sharing tonight with with some students and any young professionals that are watching. Thank you, Lyndon. I appreciate that, and I have enjoyed doing this. Thank you. Those watching, thanks so much. We will see you very soon on the next episode of 